You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, Episode 7. It's not about reducing the amount of food you're eating or counting calories and stuff. It's about letting your body know that it doesn't have to be scared anymore. And so part of that revolves around the foods you're eating. Part of that revolves around how you move your body. And part of that revolves around how you are recovering in terms of sleep and how you're taking care of your body. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Schurn. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. A nutritionist by trade, Alexa has rebelled against common misconceptions about nutrition and has created a realistic health style that will allow you to live a healthy, satisfied, and more simplistic life. It's raw, it's real, it's unfiltered. It's Simple Roots Radio. And now your host, Alexa Sherr. Hello and welcome. Thank you so much for joining me again. I'm so excited for today's show. I have one of my mentors on the show, someone I really look up to and I'm excited to talk more with and spread the love of his knowledge to all of you. Before we get there, I wanted to remind you that this podcast is really dedicated to simplifying your health journey. While the topic of nutrition is always going to be central to our discussion, we're also going to dig into other issues like personal development, living a purpose-driven life, simplification, and making real and honest changes that can be sustained for life. This is all about what we can do for the rest of our life and finding a rhythm and a lifestyle that works for you. So like I mentioned today, we're going to be chatting with Yuri Elkim. Yuri is a registered holistic nutritionist, fitness expert, and highly sought after high performance health coach and author of his newest book, The All Day Energy Diet. He is most famously known as an energy nutritionist on a mission to transform the lives of millions of people. Today, I'll be asking Yuri about his aha moment in turning his life from a very traditional American diet to the lifestyle he lives and teaches today. We'll also talk about what he believes actually works when it comes to fat loss, the secrets of sleep and how much you actually need, and what the one most essential thing you should be doing for your health is. And there's so much more. So here we go. Let's get started. Well, Yuri, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so excited to have you here. You have honestly been a huge inspiration to me through the last few years. And so I hope to bring that to the listeners. And I know that you have a lot of great information to share. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me here, Alexa. I'm happy to happy to share my wisdom and knowledge and whatever else comes out of my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to start, and I like to say that we're kind of kindred spirits. We have a, uh, a lot of the same beliefs and ideas. So I just want to start by asking you, where did your foundation for your health beliefs come from? Well, it certainly didn't come from a young age because I grew up um, eating for about 20 years of my life in a way that was just horrific. Um, and, and unfortunately, most people actually eat this way, which is lots of breads, pasta, cereals, lots of cheese, very few fruits and vegetables. Uh, fast food, junk food, takeout food, all that good stuff. And um, I, I basically succumbed to a lot of health issues when I was growing up, digestive issues, really bad eczema, asthma, uh, really low energy. I lost all my hair when I was 17 to an autoimmune condition, which was kind of the culmination of my body saying, hey, listen, dude, you got to figure this stuff out because we're going crazy in here. So um, eight years later, after not really finding any answers in the medical community, I decided to go back to school after I graduated from one of the top universities in the world with a degree in kinesiology and health sciences and still being clueless about nutrition. And I went back to school to study holistic nutrition at a specialized holistic nutrition school. 
And that was like the turning point of my life because um, that's really where I started. Like even on the first day, I was blown away by stuff I was learning. Um, and that was it was so interesting because going through university, I was one credit shy of a minor in nutrition. And I just couldn't do it because the stuff I was learning was it was just so um, I, I just wanted to like poke my eyes out with my pencil because it was stuff like here's the RDA for vitamin C. And here, right. like all the dietetic yeah. stuff, right? And I'm like, right. this doesn't interest me. Right. The, whole, the holistic side was incredible because, you know, we started learning about how food is a little bit more than just, you know, the macronutrients or the micronutrients. It's really the whole food and what that does in your body. And so that's really where the foundation started. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I went to school for dietetics as well, so I know exactly what you're talking about. To me, it didn't all make sense either. It wasn't all adding up, and it's kind of like they missed putting this whole picture together. Like that, yeah. it never came full circle. It was just very individualized. So that's interesting that you say that. So when you started losing your hair, it was eye opening, but did it make you create change, or you just didn't know how to create a change? Uh, at first, I didn't really know what to do because I was 17. I was in my last year of high school. And at the time, I was very active. So I was active, but that masked the health issues going on underneath. So I, I, didn't, really, like, I didn't really know what to do. And it took me about, you know, I went to a, a lot of different doctors. They just wanted to inject my head of cortisone and went to Chinese medical medicine doctors. And they gave me some like weird bark-like concoctions to make soup or tea out of. I don't even remember. I did all sorts of stuff. Uh, homeopathics, nothing really worked. And it's funny because I actually saw uh, my girlfriend at the time was looking for, she just came across a, an ad in, in a nutrition magazine for this school. And I was like, yeah, because at the time I was a personal trainer. And I was like, yeah, this would be great for my clients. And then, little did I know that, you know, this would be for me the, the, the biggest kind of transformation for me personally. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of where I started to learn that, you know, my body was so like just darn polluted and toxic from years of eating inflammatory foods of just, you know, buildup of, 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 for instance, like mercury. Like I used to eat a can of tuna every single day. And based on the EPA guidelines for my body weight, my maximum tolerance for mercury is one and a half cans per week. Mm. So like, you know, when I yeah. think about it, wow, I was doing this for almost a decade. Uh, it's no wonder that <laughs> my body was kind of messed up. Right. So, I started to realize that, you know, whole foods, really cleaning things up, getting more alkalinity to my body, getting more anti-inflammatory foods in, removing the gluten, removing the dairy were, were big, big catalysts for me, really changing things. Right. And you were an athlete through college as well. Am I correct yeah. on that? Yeah. So yeah. I played professional soccer for a number of years. But again, I, I was I was really athletic, but that was a, it was a mask for the stuff going on underneath and yeah. Did you would you say though that when you were doing when you were playing soccer you were eating traditionally what was classified as a healthy diet for an athlete? Oh, totally. Yeah. I mean, I played soccer in France, so at the time I was thinking, yeah, I'm just going to go to the uh, the bakery down the street and grab a baguette. Right. And I'm going to have that with my pasta for lunch because those carbs are going to give me energy for my game. And then I'm like falling asleep afterwards. So Right. So at the time I had no clue and you know, thinking like back to that time had I known what I know now, I think things would have been quite a bit different in terms of my performance and how I felt. Right. So you kind of had this shift when you were when you started your holistic nutrition courses. What was? Do you remember what that shift was or what that aha moment for you was? Yeah, the first thing I actually started doing was I went raw vegan for a whole summer, and that's when everything started to change for me. So as I was learning this stuff, I was like, wow, like wow, raw foods, alkalinity, like enzymes, all this stuff. So I was like, yeah, let's just, you know, let's experiment. And within the space of like a couple of weeks, 
my hair started growing back again. And the hair, I mean, since that time, my hair has come and gone a couple times, and that's just the nature of autoimmunity. But the big thing for me it was the energy. Like, I was like overnight, I felt a thousand times better. And that was a big aha for me because I had been sleeping for literally half of my life. I would go to bed and spend 10 to 12 hours sleeping and still feel groggy every single day. So when I was sleeping after about, you know, seven hours and waking up, like feeling refreshed, that was a huge, like, what is this? And that got me hooked because I'm, you know, as you know, really all about contribution and getting stuff done. And, and I can't do that if I'm sleeping all the time. Right. So that was, that was a huge shift for me. And, and now I'm not a raw vegan, um, but I still espouse eating more of a plant-based diet. Most of those in the raw, in the raw state. Um, but I, you know, I really encourage people to really figure out their own journey because I really get, it, it's, it's kind of frustrating when people pigeonhole you or give you a label and I don't really think I ever said that I was a raw vegan and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe back in the day for a little bit, but you know, we all evolve and we're on a journey and, you know, nowadays I consider myself a healthitarian, whatever that is, right? I just like, I just eat in a way that, that jives with my body and I don't freak out about stuff. If I have, you know, maybe a, a quote unquote, not so good meal, I just bless it and give it some good energy anyways, because if I feel guilty about it, that's probably doing worse than the actual food itself. So this, I mean, it's just an evolution that I've kind of gone through and, and hopefully imparting that same knowledge with, uh, with all of our readers and clients around the world. Right, right. So, I mean, on your journey, you kind of overcame the lies that we've been told to believe. And as you mentioned um, in your, your new, uh, sorry, as you mentioned in your newest book, you say in there, you've been lied to and you start listing the reason in which we've been led to believe nonsense. How do you help people to overcome these lies and start understanding their own body? Yeah, it's a good question. I think, you know, I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time, you know, communicating with our clients and readers and, you know, I asked them like, you know, what is, what is it that I do for you? Like, what's the, what do you get out of, you know, my, whatever it is. And most people say that I simplify health. And, and I think that's really what I do because at the end of the day, I'm a teacher. I teach and I teach people how to get a better understanding <clears throat> excuse me, of, of nutrition and their health and fitness because it's a very confusing and complex world. And what I love to do is I like taking complex concepts and making them super simple for people to understand. Um, I was just going through my YouTube videos yesterday doing some stuff and I came across an old video from like seven years ago where I was talking about leaky gut and I was, I was like holding up this paper towel cardboard, you know, the, the, you know, the, the middle part of the right, uh, paper right. towel when you, when you finish the roll. Yeah. And I was talking about leaky gut using that cardboard thing with holes in it as my kind of demonstration for, for leaky gut and talking about that. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. It's kind of never changed. Like it's always been there. Right. And I think that's what I do for people is really simplifying complexity. And that's what I try to do as best as I can. So it's a combination of simplification and also giving people a deep understanding of how stuff works, but in a simple way so that they can make better decisions for themselves. Like, I don't, I don't like saying, well, this is bad for you and then move on. Well, like this is bad for you and here's why. And then just going down a little bit deeper, but making that simple for people to understand. Right. Going with knowledge is power, just understanding their body and, and how it works is huge. And I yeah. love the fact that you don't 
necessarily put everyone in a box. You know, you're not on the latest diet or the latest fad. You just really believe in overall health where you just need to figure out your own body. And I think that that's so true and, and so unique amongst all the other nutrition out there. We are a nation that just wants a quick fix. So what do you tell people who are just looking for that quick fix, who are still believing the lies like calories in equals calories out? What do you think is the number one reason that people can't overcome that mentality? It's so far ingrained in their reptilian brain that that they have to go through a personal epiphany of some sort to to really understand it. Because I a long time ago, I remember I was training a client and we were talking about distilled versus reverse osmosis water versus uh, some other type of water. And he's a lawyer, so he he is paid to argue and debate. And I'm like going through this. I'm like, why am I why am I spending my whole hour debating about water? And at that moment, I decided I'm no longer going to bother debating with people about stuff. It's like you either get it or you don't. And what I do is I just try to highlight the information that's hopefully going to move people towards the right action for them. And a lot of times, like, you know, we've been marketed to for years, for decades, that, you know, low calorie, low, like the diet stuff, like low fat, low sugar, all that stuff is the way to lose weight. And it's, it's just mass marketing over time from companies like Coca-Cola or others that you know make you believe that it's okay to have Diet Coke because it doesn't have any calories in it. Well, unfortunately, most people don't understand that it's not just the calories. Well, what about the aspartame and the acid sulfide potassium in there that's like neurotoxic to your body? Most people don't look at the quality of foods. They focus on the quantity. And I think there's a shift that's happening now, thankfully, um, especially over the last decade where people are becoming a lot more aware that it's not so much about how much you eat, it's about what you eat. And I've been telling people for years, I don't care what the nutrition facts on a, on a label say, look at the ingredient list. Start there. Because if it has 100 calories and it says organic and all that stuff, it doesn't really make, it doesn't matter. Look at what's in the actual package and the food. There is like really the secret to what's in this food. Um, so I, I think it's a shift that people really need to go through. And unfortunately, it's going to get to the point where it's like, listen, my, my kids have autism or, or ADHD and I need to figure out what's going on. And, you know, they go through this journey of like realizing, wow, when I started to remove those chemically induced man-made foods, my kids started improving. And so this, you know, I, I remember having, um, when I was going through school, I had a, one of our classmates was 45 and that was exactly her situation. She had two kids, both of them going through those very issues and she wanted to go through nutrition to, to figure it out for them. And I think that's what people need to go through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just that shift. And, and, and like you said, unfortunately, sometimes it comes down to they have to do it. You know, they have to figure out that change. Yeah. So obviously, health has a basis on nutrition, and we could talk all day about what to eat. But for most of us, eating healthy is common sense. I mean, most of us know that broccoli is healthier than a cookie. In the book, Yuri talks in great depth and more than just what you should eat, but the lifestyle changes that go along with that. Could you just go through some of those life changes, Yuri, and the influence that they have on our weight and on our health? Yeah, I mean, I think the foundation in the all-day fat burning diet is really about reducing inflammation. And when, like, so what I try to do is, you know, I look at, okay, well, why are we overweight, right? Like, why are we having such a tough time losing weight? And there's a lot of different factors. But at the, at the base of it all, what's happening is your body is feeling stressed out. It's, it's scared. And this goes back to our primitive wiring. We're still working with the same biology 
as our Paleolithic ancestors did hundreds of thousands of years ago, nothing has evolved um, at, at any significant level, um, at least neurologically for us to, uh, to change any of this. And what's happening is like when our body is, when we, when we perceive a stress, it could be financial, emotional, um, you're worrying about something, it could be anything, intense exercise, the wrong foods, these are all forms of stress. When your body is stressed, it goes into its fight or flight mode, which is essentially adrenal glands pump out cortisol and adrenaline to ready you to fight or run away. And that's okay in the acute, like like in the moment, because you have to like either survive or get out of the situation. But the problem is that in today's fast-paced worlds of nonstop bombardments of you know, text messages or social stuff or all the stuff happening on the internet, plus our busy lifestyles, plus our, our food supply, which is obviously compromised. All of these are big stresses. And when you add all those up, we have a level of, of chronic stress in our body, whereby our body just seems, it, it perceives itself as, as scared. When our body feels scared, it shuts down. Because going back to Paleolithic times, in those times, if we were threatened for survival, our body would eventually figure out, okay, well, we need to kind of slow things down and hold on to energy just in case we miss a meal tomorrow or we're you know, not in the presence of food for a couple of days. And that's basically the, the way our body is hardwired. So stress in those days was no food, maybe there's a bit of famine for a while, and that's how our body still perceives stress. So when we're stressed out, and again, I use stressed out loosely. It could be from eating inflammatory foods like gluten or dairy or sugar or other things like that. Those are all stressors in the body, and they send the same communication to our brain, our, our hormonal, um, our hormonal makeup. Because what happens is, when, for instance, we increase inflammation in the body, our brain says, "Okay, hold on, this is a form of stress. It's going to pump out cortisol from the adrenal glands." Cortisol is a buffer to inflammation to kind of save our cells. But the problem with too much cortisol is that that in and of itself is another form of stress. And therefore, cortisol we know is heavily correlated with abdominal belly fat or abdominal fats or fat being stored in and around the abdominal organs. And it's a whole vicious cycle. So it's not about reducing the amount of food you're eating or counting calories and stuff. It's about letting your body know that it doesn't have to be scared anymore. And so part of that revolves around the foods you're eating, part of that revolves around how you move your body, and part of that revolves around how you are recovering in terms of sleep and how you're taking care of your body. Um, so those are the three big pillars that I talk about in the book. And then obviously with the food, I talk about my proven five-day food cycling formula that um, – you know, that helps reset your metabolism and so forth. But it's really all about reducing inflammation and stress in the body because when you do that, your body's able to do what it normally knows how to do. And that is not to be 100 pounds overweight. It's about, you know, just resetting things back to baseline. Right. And just going with sleep, we know how important sleep is and just resetting and restoring our body. Do you feel that sleep is similar to food and the fact that quality matters more than quantity? Or what do you say about hours versus quality of sleep? 
Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I used to sleep 12 hours a night and I can tell you that that didn't really help me out for, for a long time. And it's funny because my kids, I've got three boys under five. My two oldest ones last night, for whatever reason, decided they didn't want to go to bed until 10 o'clock. We normally put them to bed at 7, 7.30 and they're upstairs playing till 10 o'clock. Like I went to bed before they were asleep pretty much. And then middle of the night, uh, my wife gets out of bed and she's like, what are you guys doing? Like they had gone downstairs, turned on all the, all the lights and started watching TV at two in the morning. I'm like, what is going on here? So our one son sleeps amazing. Uh, our middle son, not so much. And, you know, it, sleep is really important. So the, the research shows that if you can get between seven to nine hours of sleep, that's the sweet spot. Um, everyone's individual. So it's not saying that you have to get seven, like not everyone needs seven and a half. Some people might need eight hours and 20 minutes, whatever it is. Um, but you have to just kind of figure that out for yourself. But the key is going to be quality because if you're waking up consistently in the night, especially at the onset of sleep, where deep sleep really is the um, the pervasive sleep mode, that becomes a huge, huge problem because grow, um, when you're in deep sleep, that's when your body regenerates. That's when it kind of consolidates all of your learning. That's when it repairs itself. That's when growth hormone is related and re- released in its highest amounts. And that doesn't happen if you're constantly being woken up. So if you're in REM sleep, which happens more towards the latter stages of sleep, towards when you're getting up, um, that's a little bit more of a lighter sleep, but there's really not as much rejuvenation in that sleep. So if you're spending most of your time there over time, and we know there's a lot of research that shows this, there was a big uh, big study that I talked about in the book uh, called the Quebec Family Study. It was a six-year study that showed a big, big correlation between the number of hours slept and your risk of becoming overweight or obese. It was less, I think it was less than six hours of sleep. You had a, a significant, significant increase in your risk of not only being overweight, but being obese. And it's, it's really interesting because sleep has so many far-fetched or far-reaching effects on our hormones, uh, from like our hunger hormones, for instance, our thyroid hormone. Uh, so it really, really is really important. We spend a third of our life sleeping, so we should take it seriously. Right. It's kind of like that trigger too. When you don't get enough sleep, it just seems like you're more stressed throughout the day and it is a trigger for overeating. So can you talk more about the hormones that it affects and how getting the right amount of sleep and the quality sleep can actually help you to keep your your hunger in control? Yeah, I'll talk about two of them, uh, ghrelin and leptin. So they're kind of opposing hormones. Uh, Ghrelin lets your brain know I'm hungry and leptin says to your brain I'm full so when you get adequate amount of sleep they function as they should so leptin is a little bit higher ghrelin is a little bit lower as you sleep properly what um what sleep deprivation studies have shown or even studies where people have been uh, sleeping you know three or four hours instead of a total night lost of sleep is that the opposite happens. So in a sleep-deprived state, you actually have increased amount of ghrelin and less leptin. So the signal now is saying, I'm awake, therefore I'm hungry, as opposed to I'm sleeping and I'm full. And I think this is intuitive. If you think about it, you know, the longer you stay up, the more energy you need. And so typically, if you stay up, you know, let's say 20 hours a day, your body simply needs more fuel to do its thing. Whereas if you're sleeping, it's more of a restorative state. So those are two of the big hormones that are, um, from a hunger perspective, influenced by sleep. Mm -hmm. Do you have any magical tips to help us sleep better? Yeah, totally. 
The number one thing you can do is go to bed and wake up at the same time every single day, yes. seven days a week. Yeah. That is the most important thing you can do and it will it'll have far-reaching effects, not just on the quality of your sleep and how much energy you have, but it's going to help stabilize your circadian rhythm, which again is another form of stress if it's all over the place. Naturally, your circadian rhythm is such where you have high cortisol in the morning and low at night. Melatonin is the opposite. Melatonin is high at night, low in the morning. So for instance, um, going to bed at, again, there's a lot of research that shows if you can go to bed before 11 o'clock, it's better for you because you can you have a better time getting into deep sleep. You can go to bed at two in the morning and wake up at nine and still have seven hours, but that quality of sleep is much different than if you went to bed around 10.30 or so. So if you can go, for instance, I go to bed, um, well, one of my rules in life is I don't go to bed past 10.30 and I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. And, you know, obviously, there, you know, there's, if there's the occasional wedding that I have to attend, <laughs> that might be different. But pretty much every single day of the week, uh, weekends included, that's my schedule. And it is really important from, again, from a, when we think about fat loss, cortisol is a really important hormone for us to keep at bay or keep in kind of its um, ideal, ra- uh, ideal range because it's, cort- it's not that cortisol is bad. It's too much or too little of it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. So if we, for instance, um, go to bed one night at 10, 10 and we wake up at 5 and then the next night we go to bed at 1 in the morning and wake up at 10, our, circadian, our body's like, what the hell are you doing? It's all over the map. And so you have this weird shift of your circadian rhythm, your natural biological clock, which over time starts to upset your cortisol rhythm. And cortisol, again, is linked to stress in the body, high inflammation, belly fat, and a host of other problems. So that's something we definitely want to keep, um, keep under control. So going to bed and waking up at the same, night, uh, same time is really important. The second thing is to sleep in a cold tomb. Basically, think of yourself as a vampire. Okay? And the room should be cool completely dark like no external lights and it should be silent so no noise machines uh well white noise i mean uh, yeah if white noise works for you then that's cool because i mean obviously a lot of babies have you know need white noise to sleep and so forth so whatever works um but you just like i find it very tough to sleep when i'm in new york because oh, right. like, i'm in a hotel and it's just like it's oh my loud, god what's right. right yeah unless you're like 30 floors up so ideally some type of consistent soft background noise or you know total quiet right i have to travel with my fan when i go places because i'm used to living in the country where no one's around me so when you go to a city it's like overwhelming when you're sleeping so (laughs) i totally get that when we talk about consistency so consistency is important when you sleep going to bed at the same time waking up at relatively the same time do you think that's true i mean i know you're you kind of have a a structured meal plan where you kind of um i don't want to say rotate but but how you eat changes over a cycle. Do you think there's anything to consistency when you eat though? The timing of when you eat? I think everybody has to figure this out on their own because, um, you know, the whole premise for me with food cycling is, is again, going back. I like to look at, okay, where do we come from, right? Like where, Mm -hmm. where are we rooted biologically? And, you know, you go back tens of thousands of years and we didn't have access to food 24 seven, like we do now. And to think that we have to be eating all the time, or we have to have breakfast at 7 a.m. every single day is unnatural because there are times where you just don't feel like having breakfast. And that's totally cool. Unfortunately, cereal companies and other, you know, just false information has led us to believe that we have to have breakfast. 
Now, I'm not saying that breakfast is not important because having, for instance, a higher protein breakfast is one of the most important things you can do for fat loss. But on the flip side, if you fasted all day until dinner and had a huge dinner, that also has been proven to be very effective for fat loss. So you have to find what's going to work best for you. And what I love about food cycling is it naturally resonates and honors your body's natural rhythms and helps you identify when you're really hungry and when you're just eating based out of convenience or stress. And that's one of the most freeing things that people have gotten out of this program is that, you know, even if you don't follow the specific five-day food cycling plan forever, you now have a better understanding of like, well, I'm actually hungry now. I think it's okay to eat and I'm full, so I'm going to stop. And that's the premise. Like people are like, you know, when do I eat and when do I do this? I'm like, listen, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're full. Just if, if right. that's your mantra, like everything else takes care of itself. Right. It's kind of like going back to how we weren't, I mean, it's ingrained in us. It's, I look at my children and you can't feed them when they're not hungry and you can't console them when they are. I mean, it's just a baby. It's how, it's how we're supposed to be. So yeah. making this a little bit more personal in your life, what are three of the biggest factors you do daily that have had the greatest impact on your health? It's funny you should ask that because I have these written down on my whiteboard in my uh, garage gym. So uh, first thing is I wake up, uh, go to bed at 10.30 and wake up at 5 a.m. every day. Second thing is I have a green drink. So that's either a green juice, a green smoothie, or my own greens powder and water, at least one liter every single day. And the third thing is I move my body or work out for 30 minutes every single day. So those are the three things that I live by from a health perspective that even if nothing else works, those are kind of my three pillars. Those are awesome. What was your key to success in your health and how do you maintain that? And what do you think is the single most important thing you think everyone should be doing for their health? Uh, the single most important thing was definitely um, learning about how to eat better, learning about nutrition. I think it's, it's, it's atrocious that we're not taught this stuff in school as, at a young age. Like I'm talking about five years old and older like in, in that, and just moving from there on up. And it's, you know, we spent all this time in school learning about stuff we're never going to use in life. But what if we learned a little bit more about how to manage our finances and nutrition and health? I think we'd be a lot better off as a, as a human species. So for me, the big change was learning about nutrition, but then on the flips, on the, the, you know, with that has to come action. So there's a lot of people that read stuff and, and know stuff, but you have to take action. Like, you know, working out intelligently is, is massively important for people. And this is one of the things, especially for women, that I continue and continue to let to tell them, I'm like, listen, the food is great, right? Eat the way you have to eat to, to feel better and reduce inflammation. But I'm telling you, in the long run, if you're not strengthening your body, you will not keep the weight off. And that's one of the most important messages I can tell anybody, man or woman, especially women, because there's, you know, they're so indoctrinated into believing that you have to lift, you know, little weights or low weights for high repetitions. And that's just completely false. You know, it's um, like most, a lot of women are lifting weights that are lighter than most newborn babies. And it's like, well, if your baby's going to weigh seven pounds, you might as well at least lift seven right. pounds, you know? All right. So, yeah. um, so I, I think, you know, taking action is really important based on what you learn and understanding that not everything is right for everyone. Right. So identifying, OK, well, this worked, this didn't. I like this. I didn't like this. And just making your own thing as you go along. The best diet that you're on or the best diet for you is the one you don't even know you're on. So figure that out in this journey. And that might be that might mean 
you know, going paleo for a while, going raw vegan for a while, trying different things out, seeing what sticks and what doesn't. And then that's, that's all that matters for you. That's really all that matters. Right, right. Uncovering lasting health, it's not just a Band-Aid or a quick fix. So kind of having a change in mindset with that. Mm-hmm. So a couple more questions before we finish, because I have kids and I know you have three little ones as well. What do you think we should be doing as parents to raise healthy eaters? Because we're not being taught it externally. Yeah, uh, first and foremost, you have to make food at home. Uh, you, you have to get them involved in the process so they understand, well, this is fun. Like they, they associate pleasure with preparing meals. And they just have to get used to not eating crap out of a box. It's really easy to just, you know, set a bunch of ready-made snacks for them when they get home from school just so that, you know, they're out of your hair. But, you know, consider the long-term consequences of that, you know, and I've seen it firsthand in our house because sometimes, you know, we get into that. And it's it's terrible because, you know, let's say they've had like gluten-free crackers that are, you know, quote-unquote supposedly healthy. But these crackers are loaded with all sorts of like weird flavors and they have this like explosion of flavors in their mouth from these crackers you know the next time you give them some type of you know uh bland tasting real food which is actually really good for them they're gonna be like i never even want to touch that so you have to really adjust their palate properly and it's not to say that all healthy food is not good tasting because it can be you just have to know how to make it so um, i think getting your kids involved in the process is really important removing the junk out of the house because that's what they're going to gravitate towards and not being a Nazi about stuff. Like if, again, this is a personal philosophy of mine, is, you know, every now and then, if you go out or if you're at a birthday party, you know, let them enjoy stuff, right? If you're always, if you're always harping them to be like, you know, this is a bad food, it's going to make you feel bad, they're going to internalize that and they're going to have a really negative association with certain foods um, as they grow up. And even if it's a, a, a bad food like Coca-Cola and you say you can never have Coke and this is terrible for you, I've, I remember dating a girl who grew up like that and she rebelled big time in her teens. So you have to empower people with knowledge and let them make their own decisions as they go forth and then try to make the, the cooking experience, the family meal experience pleasurable so that they associate good feelings later in life back to the good old days where they were making dinner with mom and dad and, and that's what they want to gravitate towards as opposed to going to a fast food restaurant. There's that fine line between knowing when you're just teaching them and helping to expand them into a healthy diet and not pushing them to the point where they're starting to rebel. Uh, I can totally see that now as my daughter's in school for the first time and her eyes have been opened to all these other foods that she didn't even know knew exist. And now she sees her friends eating it. So I can see that, that line of trying to teach her, you know, to listen to her body and understand, but not being so forceful that... She doesn't want to maintain a healthy life forever. And just being an example to them, I think, makes a huge difference as well, yeah. as I know you're a great example to your children. So one last question. Lastly, you talk about simplicity. And as we all know, I love making things simple. What do you think cutting out some of the noise in our life, whether that be from how much we do to how much stuff we have in our home or how many goals we set, what areas in life do you choose to simplify? Pretty much the most important areas, like I, I look at, it's funny because I consider my family, I, I try to look at my family like a business and my household like a business because um, I spend a lot of time obviously in my business and, and working on my business. Then there's a lot of really cool analogies and takeaways from business that we can all apply in life. For instance, I'm a big believer in systems and processes. And, you know, in our house, for instance, we keep it really clean. When people come over, they're like, you guys have kids? 
Like it's not a disaster or a zoo like a lot of people's houses are. And that's just because we refuse to live like that. I mean, like that's just a, it's just a standard we've set for ourselves. So um, environment is really important. And, you know, I think when it comes to simplifying things, we want to reduce friction in our lives. And if you live in an environment and kitchen as well, that is just like a war zone, that's a lot of friction. There's a lot of clutter and you can't think clearly. Uh, it's, it's just, it's a really, really, it's not a good situation to be in. So I, I really recommend that no matter what your goal is, whether it's more money, better health, uh, you know, better, more peace of mind, start by cleaning up your environment, clean up your house, clean up your car, because when you have that clarity, you can see and think clearly. And that's where it all starts. Like it's so, it seems like so unrelated, but it's so powerful. It's incredible. Um, going back to systems and processes, you know, with, with kids, it's really important to get them into, again, for the sanity of your own house, as well as yourself, as well as, you know, to give them a little bit of structure is when they come in the door, for instance, instead of having them throw their jackets on the floor and walk away, you know, getting them into some kind of system where they know when they come in, they know where their jacket goes. They know where their bag goes. They know what to do with the stuff in their bag. Uh, it's the same thing if you get mail, right? Like when you take mail out of the mailbox, where does it go? Like, does it sit in a pile? And if it does, well, what do you do with that pile? And I think a really good book that that started my thinking on this uh, from a couple years ago was uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen, which is, you know, when anything comes across you, whether it's an email or a stack of mail or groceries, you have a couple options, right? You can file it, you can delete it, or you can delegate it. And, you know, let's say we're looking at our mail, for instance, go through the mail or at least kind of, you know, you have a designated drawer or a designated basket for your mail. And then when you go through your mail, you go through your mail. So it's like you open the envelope up. Okay, is this garbage? Garbage. This one, I'm going to take action. Does it take me less than two minutes to take action on? If it does, get it done. If it takes a little bit longer, maybe file it away for a later time and, and put a specific, you know, um, deadline on that. But I think doing things like that can really bring a lot of flow and reducing friction into your life. And so that's something I'm constantly thinking about in my life and, and how do I simplify things um, both in business as, as well as my personal life. So those are those are a couple ideas. Mm, yeah, I like that. Systems, creating systems. I mean, we do it, like you said, all the time in business. So why wouldn't you try to implement that in your home and also taking that a step further, creating systems for your own health and your own body? I mean, maybe that could make a world of change in, in yourself. So that's interesting to think about. So any yeah. words of advice or uh, a call to action that, that we can take and do this week to become better, you know, better individuals, better wives, spouses, parents, whatever it is, something that we can take and just live a healthier life? Yeah, I would say just start small. Whatever, whatever it is that you want to do, just take a micro step. So if it's working out, like do just commit to working out for one minute. Like do one push up. Don't worry about doing the fifty push ups. Just get your stuff on and do one push up. Because when you do that, you'll be like, ah, I think I'll stay. I'll, I think I'll stay around for a little bit and, and do a few more. Um, you really have to chunk things down because I think a big problem that holds people back is procrastination, and procrastination is nothing more than overwhelming your head. Um, I actually almost failed graduating university because I <laughs> procrastinated by missing all of my swimming classes. So I had to write, I had to make up 20 hours of swimming in one, in one week. I also had to write a 20 page paper on procrastination. So this is near and dear to my heart. 
And so, you know, you look at, well, why do we delay things? It's because it's too big in our head. It's, there's too much stuff and we don't know what the next immediate action to take is. So break things down into their smallest chunks so that you have a very, very specific action that you know you can take and check off as complete. So whether that's, you know, eating healthier or working out or anything else, just try to break things down to the smallest next actionable item. Well, thank you so much for that advice. And thank you for being on the show. I know you've taught me a lot and you always have something unique and interesting and something that we can take and do in our lives. So I so appreciate you being here. Can you tell us where we can find you and where we can learn more about you? Yeah, totally. Um, I guess the best place to just come by the blog, which is yurielkaim.com. That's Y-U-R-I-E-L-K-A-I-M.com. And uh, from there, you can see all the awesomeness that we're up to and yeah, I'm also on Facebook if, you, if you're there. So, yeah. Yeah, and don't forget to pick up his newest book, The All-Day Energy Diet. It is awesome and fantastic, and it goes into the, the food cycling, um, exercise, and all the other lifestyle components that we've talked about here today. So thank you again, Yuri. I, I very much appreciate this. Welcome. Thanks for having me, Alexa. As Yuri mentioned, if you'd like to learn more about his beliefs, you can find him at yurielkem.com. That's Y-U-R-I-E-L-K-A-I-M.com. And everything you'd like to know about Yuri and his latest book, The All-Day Energy Diet, plus the resources and links we talked about can be found at the page created especially for this episode. You'll find it at simplerootsradio.com slash 007. And don't forget, you can find a ton of healthy recipes and nutrition knowledge on my site, www.simplerootswellness.com, home to simplification, realistic change, and really good food. I'd love to have you follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as well, keeping this conversation going and holding each other accountable to change that works. And finally, one more thing, as always, I would greatly appreciate it if you would take a minute out of your day to rate and review the show. This will make the podcast visible and findable by new people sharing in the knowledge, helping them to cut out the noise, finding simplicity in their own life. Remember, if you give it a five-star rating and leave a review, I'll be sure to mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a small way to say thanks. To rate and review the podcast, just visit simplerootswellness.com slash iTunes or simplerootswellness.com slash Stitcher. And before we go, I just want to let you know that I would love to answer your deepest, darkest questions about nutrition, health, or creating a mind change. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, send me a message on Facebook or via Twitter, or leave a comment on the show notes page, and I'll be sure to answer it in an upcoming show. So it's just you, me, and one small change every day aiming for a lifetime of success. Here's to crushing today. Today.